0: And the message today is based on the words of uh, the King Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. I, the teacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun, because I must leave them to the one who comes after me, and who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my skill an effort under the sun, this too, is meaningless, so my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave it all they must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This too, is meaningless and a great misfortune. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun all their days? All their, they, all their days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. And this is God's word. And my brothers and sisters, about 15 years ago, a t- famous quarterback, Tom Brady, was interviewed on the show 60 Minutes after winning his third Super Bowl victory at the age of 27. And even though he was experiencing a combination of success and youth that most can only dream of, he wasn't happy. In fact, he he's despondent and, and frustrated and confused. And, and when you get home today, watch it on YouTube. It's fascinating. He keeps repeating the words: there's gotta be more. There's gotta be more than this. This can't be it. Well, 3,000 years ago, something similar happened, except on a much larger scale. In Jerusalem, a king named Solomon was so respected and had such a great reputation that powerful people from all parts of the known world would come to him just to give him tribute and gifts. Solomon was so rich And he had so much gold that everything in his household was made of pure gold, even his cups and his silverware. Modern scholars estimate that if the Bible, what the Bible says is true about Solomon and how much gold and silver and ivory and uh, everything he had is true, his net worth would be $2.1 trillion. Solomon was also not just rich, but Incredibly respected and wise. Kings and queens from all over the world, thousands of miles away, would make the trip just to hear him talk. Even the, the legendary Queen of Sheba in modern day Ethiopia. Also, during a time which unfortunately uh, women were seen as symbols of status, right? How many wives you had, that's how uh, rich you were. You know, I don't like it, you don't like it, but it's reality. Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And yet, as Solomon looked at all the fruit of his labor, a a growing, prosperous nation, a beautiful capital city lined with gold, a huge palace, a a beautiful temple, a, a giant family, his reaction to everything he had was actually pretty similar to Tom Brady. Except Solomon used one word. Hevel. Hevel is the Hebrew word. So that translates into meaningless. When we see meaningless, meaningless in Ecclesiastes, that's actually the word. Hevel, Hevel. And meaningless doesn't quite communicate what Solomon's trying to say. Hevel literally in Hebrew means vapor. Vapor or smoke, or a breath. And so you, you breathe when it's winter out, right? And it's super cold and you can see your breath. Or you look at your breath, it's, it's almost mystic, right? It's immaterial, it's almost beautiful in a way. But what happens when you try to grab it? It disappears. Here for a second, gone forever. And like Tom Brady and every other successful person in the world who has been cursed with everything they want, Solomon finds himself sitting at the end of his life with empty hands, realizing that it is all a breath. Here today, gone forever, never enough. And the point of the book of Ecclesiastes is that all the things that we value in life Love, wisdom, pleasure, entertainment—it's all revel, a breath. And specifically in this section, he's talking about two of the most foundational parts of human life: wealth and work. And so we'll go to the first point that Solomon wants to make: your work is not enough. Work—it's that one thing that you can you can't live with, but you can't live without. Right, it keeps you alive, but often it's the thing that kills you. It puts bread on your table, but it also breaks your back. And no matter how much work you've done in your life, no matter how many times you've, you've done a great job, it's never enough. Right? There's always more work to do. There's always another thing you could be doing. There's always another way to be productive. You never quite get to that point where it's, all right, I'm done. I'm good. This is... What Solomon calls life under the sun. Under the sun, that's what he means. You work and you work and you work day after day after day, and then you die. And I know some of you are thinking, well, I'm retired, that doesn't apply to me. It does, it does apply to you. Because now that you're retired, you're busier than you were before. Right, doing all the work that, that you wanted to do, but you couldn't because you were too busy, and now you're still busy. And, uh, j- just ask yourself, why? Seriously, why? What's the point? Why do you keep working? What are you chasing? Seriously. Now, don't get me wrong. Work is a good thing. Work is not bad. Work is good. Being busy is not a bad thing. But that feeling we think we're going to get, that that, that feeling of joy, that, oh, yes, that was great, that actually lasts. The feeling of satisfaction, uh, of a job well done, peace, knowing that I've done enough, I am enough. It never comes. This is what Solomon calls the grievous burden that God has laid on mankind. That with the dirt, your hands in the dirt and the thistles and the thorns, you will survive. With blood, sweat, and tears, you will exist. You will work, and you will work, and you will work, and you will work. And you will never find in your work that thing that you most desperately desire. So what's the solution? Well, Solomon knows better than anyone. That what we truly need is the joy of a job well done. The satisfaction of a job that is finished. The rest of knowing that I don't have to work anymore. I am enough. I have done enough. We need the accomplishment that impresses not just our bosses, but God himself. Well, who can give us that? Well, Solomon knew. Solomon knew that after him, years and years after him, someone would come, and someone who was big enough, powerful enough, good enough, perfect enough, that he could actually impress the God of the universe. And that person would suffer something so terrible, so painful, so horrible, so gut-wrenching, that it would actually free humanity from its burden. See, whether Solomon knew it or not, He's pointing you to Christ. He's pointing you to find your joy and your satisfaction, not in your work, not in your labor, but in Christ's labor. Not in the work of your hands, but in the holes in his hands. This is why Christ died for you. This is why he willingly went to the cross and was willingly tortured, willingly humiliated, willingly executed and killed so that you could enjoy the fruits of his labor. Joy that doesn't end. Satisfaction, knowing that I am okay. Peace, knowing that I can stand in front of a holy God even though I am flawed and I have made terrible choices in my life and I have dishonored him and yet I am okay because he has been punished for me. The peace of knowing that God looks at me and he says, you are my child and with you I am well pleased. This is the fruit of Christ's labor, and it's yours. That's what you truly need. That's what you're looking for in your work. But you can't find it in your grind, in your work, in your success, in your accomplishments. You won't find it there. You must find it in Christ. So, what's Solomon's point? His point is this your work is not enough. But his was. His was. And uh, as you may guess, um, Solomon has a, a similar point when it comes to your wealth. Your wealth is not enough. Let's really think about this. What can wealth offer you? What can wealth give you? I mean, really? Well, wealth can give you happiness, entertainment, pleasure, for now. Wealth can give you a sense of security. And peace? For now. Wealth can give you a sense of status, right? For now. But not for long. Eventually, your money, your wealth, will run out. Or you will run out and you will die. And you will have to give all of your wealth that you have worked for to someone else who has not earned it. And maybe they'll do. Maybe they'll, they'll use it well. Maybe, maybe maybe they'll waste it. You're not going to know about it. You'll be dead. You're going to die before you can see. You can enjoy your wealth, or anyone else can truly enjoy your wealth. That's the reality of life. And according to the richest man that has ever lived, this isn't me saying this. This is him. If your life is revolved around money and wealth and success then your life will be a complete and utter waste. And you will die miserable, especially if you are wealthy. So what's the solution? Well, be content, right? Be content, be content with what you have. Oh, but that's hard, that's hard. How can I be content when I see so many people around me that have so much more than me? Well, your heart has to be ravished by something bigger, something better, something more beautiful, something more lasting, something more satisfying than anything this world could offer you. And God has it. In fact, God is it. And God says to you, I can give you so much more. I can make you rich beyond your wildest imagination. And God secured your wealth as Jesus went to the cross and was willingly pierced and scourged and mocked and humiliated and killed when it should have been you. He secured your wealth as he rose from the grave and proved that death is not the end. When he proves that he is right in saying that those who believe in him will live forever, even if they die. The fruit of his labor, his wealth, his riches, his forgiveness, his love. The peace of knowing that you are okay. He gives it to you in so many ways. He gives it to you through the gospel. The simple message of Jesus Christ crucified for you, the sinner, so that you, the sinner, could be perfect. He gives it to you through, through a sermon, through, through the word preached to you. He gives it to you through a conversation from a friend. He gives it to you through baptism. All these ways he brings people into his kingdom. You are rich. I don't care how, how, I don't care how nice your car is. I don't care how big your house is. I don't care what your retirement fund looks like. We are rich. We have so much more than anything the world can offer us. All of us, even little Oliver, we're rich. And we have been given gifts that we do not deserve, but they're ours. Therefore, be content. Be content with what you have, be content with the earthly gifts that God has given you. You know, it, it, it's tough. But it's true, M- money is not a bad thing. It- it's really not. Money, money is a huge blessing and an, a, a wonderful tool that God can use to bless others. He can use you to be a blessing to someone else. See, when, you're, when you know when you, where your wealth really is, that actually enables you to not only be content, it enables you to actually enjoy your earthly wealth in the way that it's supposed to be enjoyed as a gift that is here today and gone forever. And it actually enables you to be generous with the wealth that you have here on earth. You can rejoice as other people benefit from the fruits of your labor, even though they don't deserve it, because you have radically benefited from the fruit of his labor. And that generosity, that's a product of the gospel. Well, it looks differently according to the person. It's not always about money. God hasn't given everyone a ton of money. That's okay. It's not always money. Sometimes it's time. Sometimes it's effort. Sometimes it's energy. Sometimes it's your talent. Sometimes it's your prayer. What God cares about is that you use your gifts and invest your gifts into things that matter that you invest your gifts into things that last. The gospel. See, you can be absolutely 100% sure that when you give your money or your time or or your talent to a congregation like this, or when you give your money or your time or your talent or your energy into teaching your little children about Jesus, you know, reading the Bible with your grandchildren, teaching them a hymn, praying with them. When you invest your time and your energy and your money into taking out a neighbor or a friend for lunch to have that conversation about Jesus, you can be absolutely sure that God will work through your generosity to perform his mightiest, most beautiful miracle, taking someone from the clutches of Satan into his arms. That's Solomon's point number two. Your wealth is not enough. It's just not, okay? But his is. His is. And the last point I want to make is this, and it's really important. Don't be envious of people that have more than you. See, look at what Solomon says in verse 26. To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a a chasing after the wind. Now, obviously Solomon's not saying that if you're a Christian, like God's going to bless you and make you super rich here on earth. That's not the point. Martin Luther, a theologian from the 1500s, sums it up perfectly, I think, with this quote. In short, believers truly possess the whole world because they enjoy it with happiness and tranquility. But non-believers do not possess it even when they have it. This is the vanity which they possess. So so maybe you see the point. If your whole life is about riches and money and success, even when you have it, you won't really actually enjoy it because you desire from it something that it can't give you. But when you know where your wealth truly comes from, you can enjoy whatever you have, how small or how big, because you know the world is yours. Why? Because the creator is yours. The, Creator's, the creator is yours to enjoy. Yours to share. And he is enough. And because of his labor, his work, and his declaring you to be his child, you are enough. Amen. Uh, please stand as we join our hearts to confess our, our common